This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Welcome into Five on Three, WFUV Sports NHL podcast, along with Colin Lochran and Samantha Bohr. I am Tyler Mooney. We are coming to you guys on a beautiful June afternoon. The Stanley Cup Finals are set. It's the culmination of the NHL season, and even though the Rangers aren't in it, I'm super excited to watch this series. It's going to be an incredible series between Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning. But before we get into that and the wrap-up of the Eastern Conference Finals, how are you two doing today? I'm doing good, Tyler. I'd be doing much better had Game 6 gone as we were hoping it would go between the Rangers and Lightning. Definitely a heartbreaking way for them to end the season, but you got to give them a whole lot of credit. Nobody thought they were going to be there in the first place. So the fact that they were able to push the defending champions all the way to the brink, it's pretty special. Coach Gallant had some interesting comments this morning. I'm sure we'll get to that, but really just still in awe of what this Rangers team was able to accomplish and definitely looking forward to a jam-packed finals. Yeah, I'm doing well today. It is sunny and gorgeous here in Colorado, and we are gearing up for the finals. Game one at Ball Arena in like two days. So I will sadly be out of town for games one and two of the Stanley Cup final. I know I am just as devastated about it as the face Tyler just made (laughs) over Zoom, but it's going to be epic. I'm so excited, and I'm so excited to see the finals come to Denver, even though I won't be here. I just know the energy is going to be amazing. And I'm, I'm, do, I'm doing very well. And I'm also very happy. My parents finally get to see a Stanley cup final for a team that they're rooting for. And my dad's waited a very long time. So we're great in the Borer household. That's great. Will you be say the series went to like five or seven? Would you be in Colorado for that? Yes. If the series went to five or seven, I would be back. And theoretically I'd actually be at those games. So, you know, fingers crossed, crossed, I just, I really personally, I've been doing like the math as, as you both know, um, about like what games would I, would I be in Colorado for, would I be gone for? So I was really hoping things would start the 18th. So I'd only miss one game, but you know, that's okay. But yeah, say it goes to game five or game seven. I am back in Colorado and I am die hard. I will paint my face. (laughs) I will go all in a while ago I committed to getting an avalanche tattoo if they win the Stanley <laughs> Cup and I I don't think I'm gonna hold my word I'm sorry guys I think I'm backing out on the avalanche tattoo I, I don't I said it one night and I think that I've seen that but maybe like a temporary tattoo <laughs> yeah one of those temp- temporary tats well hopefully hopefully for your sake it goes uh longer than a four-game sweep I feel like this series I, I can't see a sweep for either team but we will get all into describing previewing the Stanley Cup finals but first as Colin alluded to in his little intro the Eastern Conference final came to an end on Saturday night and with it came the New York Rangers season we recorded last week right before game five and we said the big thing for the Rangers they need to get the offense going and unfortunately they were not able to do that they lose game five three to one giving up the winning goal with under two minutes left to play and then they lose game six, two to one in Tampa after they tie the game with just a few minutes left, five or six minutes left. They then give a goal up just 20 seconds later, a really heartbreaking way to lose. And at the end of the, the final 215 minutes of this series, the Rangers only managed one goal at five on five, Colin. I mean, when you want to look at, at what things went wrong, it seemed to me a combination of Tampa making adjustments and this Rangers team just simply running out of gas. 
it felt very much like that was something that was going to bite them in the rear eventually was their inability to score on five on five. I mean, we talked about it ad nauseum throughout the year. We kept on saying this team has a great power play. Criders, Advantage, Ed Fox, all those boys that can score whenever they have a man advantage. We kept coming back to this idea that, okay, but if they have to play five on five for an entire 60, they're not going to be productive enough to beat a team like a Carolina or a Tampa Bay. At least that's what we had all thought when the playoffs began. Obviously, they get past Carolina in what was a thrilling series. A lot of Rangers fans should see that as the biggest accomplishment this season was the fact you're able to beat that good of a forecheck one way or another. What ended up happening against Tampa Bay, in my mind, was a lack of experience really showing itself. When you win two championships in a row and you have a coach in Cooper that has been there for those championship runs, it helps you tremendously if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning. It did not matter that they lost those two games at Madison Square Garden. They knew in their heart of hearts they were going to be able to hit the reset button and come back stronger and better. Vasilevsky played out of his mind for the last four to five games of that series. And overall, Tampa Bay just had a more cohesive unit during game six in particular. I mean, there was not one moment where it really felt like the Rangers were going to threaten. I know they tied it up on the Vetrano goal, but even then I never felt like they were playing a better brand of hockey, at least not at five on five or anything like that. I just, it speaks to a level of experience that the Rangers don't have yet. Are they going to have it at some point? I think so. This year was certainly a step in the right direction. I hope more than anything, there's not this thought that this is going to be a continuation to next year initially. I think that's something that we've seen here in New York and other sports, even recently. Look at the Knicks. A year ago, they were in the playoffs. They captured the four seed. They get evaporated by the Hawks in five games. I just hope that Rangers fans are smart enough to know that this is going to be a process. It's not going to happen overnight. You have the goalie to do it. I think you have the coach to do it, although today I feel a little less confident about that than I did maybe, I don't know, 48 hours ago. So overall, a lot to like about this Rangers season. Once you screwed up game three, it felt like you weren't winning this series. So all in all, I feel a little bit worse today than I did 24 to 48 hours ago, but still the general vibe should be good for New York hockey going forward. As long as you can fix the stuff that was going wrong at five on five, you should be fine long-term. The general vibe of New York hockey. I love that phrase, Colin. Um, You know, I completely agree. I think that game three was like the first big blow to the knees for this team. And they were on an uphill battle every day after that. We talked, like you guys both said last week about the five on five. It just never got there. I felt like they were playing catch up for a lot of this series, with the exception of maybe game one. I think game two was a bit of a a lucky win. I mean, Igor was phenomenal and played fantastic. I didn't expect them to win, um, even though I wanted them to. But they did. And great. We led 2-0 in the series. Peace, love, and positivity. So happy for them. But... In my mind, I was like, once we saw Vass get back to the way he was before this break, the way he was playing last round, last season, the season before that, every season in the last two years in which they've won the Stanley Cup, once he kind of shook that rust off after game one, I think that it looked really hard for the Rangers to win this series. But I think there was a lot of good that came out of it. Like you said, I think that even though 
there was a lot of mixing up of the lines. Maybe that was a good thing to then say, okay, preview to next year, what worked, what didn't, how are we going to start the season hot, not have to build our way up, not have to sit there and play around all the time, though obviously there will be some, but to know a little bit of what's going to work, what doesn't, what do we want to look more into? Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think that a lot of Rangers fans are probably going to take this because everyone was using the term house money. Like we're playing with house money now. They shouldn't even be here. We're just, nothing matters now. But people were obvious. I mean, rightfully upset after the series ended. Of course, you always have the right to be upset. But I saw a headline today on like ESPN or NHL or something that said that anything short of a Stanley Cup will now be considered a failure for this Rangers team. And I think that is taking it about three steps too far. I think that it was a miracle the team got where they were this year. They were playing with with house money. It was, you shouldn't be here. Screw it. Do what you can. And that's great. And they did. I think that people need to manage expectations. I think, like you said, Colin, it's not going to happen overnight. Maybe next year is their year. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's two years from now. There are serious makings of a Stanley Cup winning team here. We saw it. You wouldn't have gotten to the Eastern Conference Final without it. But I think to say now they have to win a cup or else it's a failure of a team and they need to completely rebuild is taking it way too far. And I am afraid that that is what's going to happen in the aftermath of this series. Yeah, yeah. You know, progression is not always linear. So I, I totally agree in the sense that this Rangers team, it, this, this season, I saw this headline, it's, it's a perfect description. They're the end of their season, it wasn't really an end. It was the beginning. This was the beginning of their window opening. This was the beginning of this newly rebuilt team um, getting good enough to have a chance to compete for a Stanley Cup. And while it didn't go right this year, I think you both have made very good points in the sense that no one really expected them to be here and they got so much valuable experience. You're 100% correct, Colin. You could see the experience of Tampa Bay taking over in that series, especially guys like Kucherov and Stamkos playing at the absolute top of the game. They knew they were missing a key player in Braden Point, and those two players simply elevated themselves to a superstar, even higher than that level, to carry their team to the Stanley Cup Finals. And you can see why Tampa has won two cups in a row. They, they have that Stanley Cup pedigree that the Rangers at this point don't have. Um, it's going to be a really interesting offseason for New York, kind of segueing into that. And one of the storylines for that offseason, which we would not have really thought was a big storyline 48 hours or so ago, is Capo Caco. He gets scratched in game six by Gerard Gallant. Um, Dryden Hunt comes in. Obviously, the Rangers continue to struggle at five-on-five offense. And I believe it was Elliot Friedman said on 32 Thoughts this last episode they recorded that when his phone was blowing up when the Rangers scratched Gallant. He thinks there's going to be a ton of interest in Kaku, who is an RFA this year. We'll see if offer sheets end up coming down. Um, I know Chris Hennessy hates offer sheets. He hates offer sheet talk. And at the end of the day, it is a lot of smoke and not a lot of uh, actual action on parts of teams. But it is interesting because Kaku is a young guy. And I'm interested, Colin, as someone who you know followed the team this year and covered their games, what you thought um, that decision to scratch Kaku. Because me personally – I know you're a big Dryden Hunt guy, but I struggle to see the value of replacing a guy like Kako with Hunt, especially when you're struggling to score at five on five. And especially considering you have a top six forward in Ryan Strom who literally couldn't skate. He was physically unable to finish the game. 
it just really didn't seem like that smart of a decision to scratch another potential forward who can also go up and down the lineup. Oh yeah. Believe me. I like Dryden hunt as much as the next guy, but I would not have taken Kako out of game six of an Eastern conference final to put hunt in there. If that makes sense. I mean, there were tweets after that game about how horrible it was to break up the kid line in game six. And my initial thought was, wait, 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 wait. That, you, that's taking it a step too far. You can't break up the kid line if the whole thing wasn't in there in the first place. I, that, I, it blows my mind that Coach Galan, who's been very good this entire year, he's a smart guy, great hockey guy. I've praised him on five on three, as have both of you. It boggles my mind that he thought this was a good idea and that it was a healthy scratch. And the answer today, I was not a fan. I'm like, timeout. No, no, you got to put, I'm sorry. This is New York. I'm surprised nobody kept pushing the envelope on that, quite frankly, when he said we're trying to win hockey games. Well, what, what does that mean? Like, we know you're trying to win a hockey game, but at the same time, have you not read the morning paper? The kid line has been such a spark plug for the team all season long, especially in this playoff now. I mean, it really only became a phenomenon in the series against Carolina and Pittsburgh. Then when the series against Tampa Bay came, it was almost assumed that the kid line was going to do something special to really help you go forward. So if I were Capo Caco, I'd want out. I'm sorry. You took me out of game six of what was probably the biggest series of the year. No, not even. It was the biggest series. I would want out of New York. I want to go literally anywhere else. At this point, and that's not even that's not speaking so much the fact that he doesn't want to win here in New York or anything like that. It's just as a player, you want to know that your coach has some form of confidence in you, even if you're not playing your best. Ryan Lindgren stayed in. He had that injury to his ankle that nobody's talking about. So why was it OK to pull Kako, but yet leaving Lindgren in was all right? Like if you're trying to win hockey games and make the claim that you want the healthiest guys out there, it makes no sense that you'd pull Kako and not lingering at that point. And leaving so, Strowman. And, le- and leaving Strowman, who, by the way, was basically useless in games. <laughs> like, Ryan Strom, I've had issues with this year. I think he's decent on the forecheck. I don't think he can shoot to save his life. He has moments where he can find the net. But other moments, there's a wide open space, and he completely misses it. And I have a world of problems with that, especially when you're trying to win a championship, the first since 1994. So I'm not happy with that response from coach Gallant this morning. I'm very surprised he got away with making that comment without some severe pushback. I did not listen to the whole conference. So for all I know, somebody really did fire back, but Kako Kako should have been in that game in my mind. Yeah. I also, I also didn't listen to the full conference. I've just seen highlights, but I, I agree almost Tyler that I'd be like, okay, then put me somewhere where I'm valued. If I've been productive for you in the time that I've, been in where he hasn't been injured or sick obviously because he had a poof year this kid but if I've been productive for you why are you taking me out as a healthy scratch and leaving in these guys who can literally barely skate they can barely stand I'm waiting for the injury report to like be fully released from this playoffs because I think it's going to be like broken hand torn ACL like broken ankle like I'm waiting for this just insane list to drop um and I I think it's, I I thought it was so stupid to not play Kako. I mean, we were talking about it in our little hockey group chat. We all were like, that is dumb. But what's interesting is that Capo Kako then said he doesn't want to leave. He said, I like to play here. Being scratched doesn't impact the way I feel about this team and this club. Like I want to play in New York. So 
I don't know. Maybe he just took it as a no hard feelings, but he also said that no one like gave him any reason for not being in the lineup at the time. He said, I literally saw the lineup and just realized I wasn't in it. And I was like, that's, that's heavy, but uh, yeah, that's not good. uh, That way. Gallant did say later in the press conference today that he, 100% 100% envisions both Lafreniere and Kako as top six forwards next year, which that's obviously a good sign. That that's what these guys were ultimately drafted to be. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a very interesting offseason for the Rangers real quick before we get to the finals prediction. 12.5 million cap for the Rangers, but they have a pretty extensive list of UFA and RFAs. It goes Strom, Cop, Mott, Vetrano, Rooney, McKegg, and Braun, all unrestricted free agents. And then the RFAs, Kako, Sammy Blay, Georgiev, and Gauthier. None of those guys should warrant that much cash. Obviously, Stroman Cop, one, if not both of them, are not coming back. Those other guys, probably none of them are getting more than $1, $2 million. So there's a lot of room that the Rangers, there's a lot of things the Rangers can do to uh, revamp the bottom six, I guess, again, as they kind of did uh, at the trade deadline this year. But if there was one thing, Colin, that you think this team should focus on, that should be their number one priority in this offseason, what would that be? Vincent Trocek. I love that. that. That has to be – I mean, you need to get more physical on the forecheck, and I don't mean that in the sense that you're going to be knocking the crap out of everybody. I just mean you're going to have to find ways to start your offense in a Carolina-esque fashion, if that makes sense to you all. I think Trocek is the answer for this Rangers team. I really do. Everyone else is kind of interchangeable in my mind. I mean, the guys that are going to be there are going to be there because they like playing in New York. They're established as leaders in this club, someone like a Kreider or a Fox. I mean, who you need is going to stick around. I would have put Kako in that conversation. It looks like he's not peeved, so he, he probably will remain a Ranger even after that, whatever that was in game six. So, yeah, I would go after Trocek and see if I can make something work if I were Drury. I don't know what the financials on that would look like, but he's clearly a guy that's not afraid to make a move. I really like the idea of having a Trocek on the same line as Panarin. I think that has major offensive ramifications that can help this team down the stretch. Yeah, I don't have a specific of an answer, I'll say, as Colin. I haven't thought about it. But I think it is really just about finding a way to fire up that offense because when they can, when they get Mika going, when they get Kreider going, obviously that's when they're their best. That's when they're seeing the most production. We talked for a while earlier in the season slash earlier in this playoffs about how you have to get those big names going. I think it's about finding people who can support them and who can then fire them up in that way or who can then be those big physical presences that allow them to just go crazy in the ozone and don't have to worry about being knocked to well, I can't, I can't say that word, but like being knocked out on the ice by something else. So I don't know. I think it's really going to be all about offense. I think cop was incredibly productive for this team this year. I'm excited to see what happens with him, where they offer him a salary increase or not, but I don't know. I see bright things for this Rangers team in the next couple of years. Next year, we'll see. I give it two years and then they are in business hundred percent. Yeah, it'll definitely be an interesting offseason for New York. I was seeing uh, – but when everyone was like, oh, my God, Kako, there's no way he's coming back. I was seeing a few people throwing out, you know, throwing Capo Kako in a trade, maybe Patrick Kane, 50%. 
retained. I don't know how I'd feel about that. I would hate that. I would hate that personally. The Rangers, whether they're the worst team in the league or a conference finalist, they are every single offseason, there are always rumors of the Rangers being linked to top targets in the NHL. So it'll be fun to watch. And it's definitely a lot more optimism and a lot more excitement maybe than the last few off seasons, because you know, this team has arrived and they're here and uh, it was ultimately a successful season for New York, but it does come to a close in the Eastern conference finals, Tampa Bay lightning move on. And now we can focus our entire attention on the Stanley cup final between the Colorado avalanche and the Tampa Bay lightning. It has felt for at least the past, I would say, honestly, month now, ever since Tampa went out, uh, to a pretty big advantage over Florida when they went up 2-3-0. It's felt like these two teams have just been on a collision course. And at the end of the day, as much as we would maybe like to see the Rangers in the Stanley Cup final, I think these are the two best teams in the NHL right now. And I think it would be great to just, you know, go through the goaltending, the defense, and the offense of these three teams and then make some predictions because it is the Stanley Cup final. So I think a good place to start, we'll start at the back. We'll start with the goaltending. This is the most one-sided aspect of this matchup. If there's one aspect you can look at in this finals preview where you can say, okay, this team certainly has an advantage here. It's Tampa Bay with the goaltending. Andre Vasilevsky, we, we've kind of already talked about him when we were talking about the conference finals, but he's just been incredible every playoff, but including this playoffs and 227 goals against average and 928 save percentage. And the abs on the other hand, Sam, They've kind of been going with this 1A, 1B situation with Kemper and Francouz. I know Kemper has had some injuries, which has resulted in that. But looking at the Avs goalie stats, Kemper 6-2, and Francouz 6-0. and But Kemper has an 897 save percentage, and Francouz has a 906 save percentage. So I think if you're the Avs, obviously these players, these goalies, are going to have to step up. Whichever one is starting in game one, this, they're going to need to really play their game to, to a whole nother level. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that matching the level of Andre Vasilevsky is going to be near impossible um, as he is the best in the league right now, 100%. Um, I think that it's going to be, that's where these other elements of the team then come in. But I I definitely think it's one-sided. Even as a Colorado girl myself, I am so ready to admit that Darcy Kemper and Pablo Francis are not at all uh, Vasilevsky, I think they're good, definitely, but I think it's definitely going to take some elevation. It's going to take a lot of discipline and a lot of focus to not be distracted by these crazy plays that the Lightning are able to make by the speed that they have because they are incredible. We've, I mean, we've played them before and won, so it's promising, but I definitely think it's going to be hard. You were talking about also whoever starts. I don't know who's going to start. At this rate, I have I feel like it will be Kemper because he's usually the starter. But Francois did play very well when he was in four Kemp's in this past round. So I think that it'll be a little bit of a toss up. But I I don't know. I don't really see a world in which Francois is started over Darcy Kemper, at least in game one. Yeah, I definitely think you're going to need Kemper to win I do believe he's cleared to play in this series they're still kind of being hush hush about who starts from the jump I just like the idea that for the abs you're going to need a role with the most experienced goaltender and that is Kemper for the most part I mean he's had playoff experience in Minnesota he's had playoff experience with the abs now you're not as talented as a guy like Vasilevsky I mean he's been outrageous 
in this postseason, 0.928 save percentage. I mean, it's incredible what he's been able to do over the course of the last three years, specifically with the cup runs. And even in the bubble, that was no treat. So I look at this matchup and I say, you're not going to beat him talent-wise shot to shot, but you might be able to outwit him, which is very possible. Now, he's a wily goalie himself, but you can at least kind of get on that sort of wavelength. I think Kemper might be a little bit better in terms of puck handling than Vasilevsky. I'll give Kemper that edge. So I would go with Darcy Kemper, honestly. Uh, if you get that chance, assuming he's healthy, I believe he is. Uh, I'm not ruling out that you put Franco in there at some point, but it's it's just really hard to beat a guy like Andre Vasilevsky. So your best bet on that front is to go with the guy who has more experience. Yeah, Kemper, I mean, to, to just say it bluntly, if he plays the way he's played throughout the playoffs so far, Colorado is not going to win this series. But we've seen him do it before earlier in the year. We've seen him do it before when he was on the Coyotes, single-handedly carrying that team night in and night out. So, you know, the moment of playing in the Stanley Cup final, it could make heroes out of some. And I would not be surprised at all to see Darcy Kemper, if he does get the start in game one, which I agree with you too, it should be Kemper, to see him completely elevate his game and it would be unreasonable to expect him to play at the level of Andre Vasilevsky. I think everybody is in agreement in that, but as long as he can make the gap smaller, minimize the gap, Colorado can try and take advantage in other aspects of the game. We can move on to defense now. And I think this, I mean, these two decors, it, it's so intriguing, this matchup for starters, you have the Victor Hedman versus Kale McCarr show. I mean, you have the guy in Hedman who's been the number one dis- defenseman for the past five, six years versus this new shiny toy in McCarr who's taken the league by storm and two nominees for the Norris trophy as well. We'll see if McCarr is probably the favorite in, in, in that trophy. It'll be interesting to see who wins, but Sam, to me, the story of this matchup is the bottom pairings of Colorado because the top pairing of McCarr and Taves, you know what you're going to get. Those guys are awesome. That's probably the best D pairing, maybe in the league, but definitely in the series. Tampa Bay, to me, it seems like they have a little bit more of a well-rounded pairing. You know, they have Hedman on the first pair, McDonough on the second pair, and Sergachev on the third pairing. That's a really well-rounded defense core. So it'll be interesting to see if guys like Bowen Byram and Jack Johnson and Josh Manson can really step up their game because I think if the bottom four defensemen for Colorado can step up, that can give them a huge advantage. I absolutely agree. I think that something that's great about the Colorado team is even those that are on that bottom line, quote unquote, are still incredibly productive. And I think that's what makes both of these teams so lethal. But with Colorado, I think, yes, if they can get Bobo to, as I like to call him, well, Bobo, if they can get him in 100% and in mentally, I think that he will be such a huge help to them. Josh Manson, um, I think, has been a great addition to this team this year, and I am really excited to see what he does in this Stanley Cup final. I think that if they can get going in the way they have, it'll be just, A, incredible to watch, but B, it then allows that top line a break, some strength. It allows Bednar to mix things up and to not have to play Nathan McKinnon for 30 of the 60 minutes and for Kale McCarr to be playing 33 of the 60 minutes, it allows them to kind of take a break because that's how you wear yourself out. That's how you run out of gas and end up playing not your best hockey against a team that has been the best in the league for the last two years and knows how to deal with these really long playoff runs and with these incredibly long series as they've done it for the last two years. So I think that if they can get those guys going, like you're saying, it'll be excellent. 
I'm really excited to watch these two like bottom lines go head to head amongst everything else. Obviously, like you said, Hedman versus McCarr is going to be incredible. Last round we were treated with McDavid versus McKinnon. And then this round we have McCarr and Hedman. So I'm pumped, but I think it will take a lot of effort on behalf of the entire team in order to get up to the standard that they need to play against to not be sad against the lightning. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Sam. I initially wanted to give the abs the edge defensively because anytime you see Markar and Tiggs, you just go, oh, like that's pretty special. They've been special all year long. The problem for me on this front is that Tampa Bay just has deeper pairings. They're not necessarily more talented overall. Like I believe Markar is more talented and a better player overall than Victor Hedman. If for nothing else but age alone, Markar has a speed advantage there in my mind. But I look at the whole picture and it's pretty scary if you're an abs fan because you got to deal with Sergachev and Vagosian as the bottom pairing. That's the, that could be a legitimate second or first pairing on some NHL team. Like the Coyotes would kill to have Sergachev and Bogosian as their top defensive pairing right now. So the Coyotes I, would kill for a lot of things though. I know. So like, a stadium, a fan base, a stadium, a, loca- a home. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> you know, jerseys that don't look terrible. I mean, <laughs> hot take there maybe, but Overall, I just really would be concerned. It's another one of those things where you might be able to put up with what Tampa Bay throws at you, but for how long, right? So if it was a one-game playoff, I'm going with the abs because then you could just bank on the fact that Taves and Mark Carr will escape circles around whoever Tampa Bay has. Well, because you're in the best-of-seven format, this is what's done here. It's what's been done for ages. I get a little concerned because you're going to have to deal with McDonough, Cernak, Hedman. I mean, Hedman's a great offensive player, too. Like, I know – Defensemen typically get this rap as not being able to contribute too much, but in today's game, that's changing. Guys like Fox, Markar, Hedman's right up there. I'd argue he's one of those ones that started this trend because he can just throw the puck towards the net, and guys like Stamkos or Palak can jam it in. Killorn, he's another one. So I look at this type of matchup, and I see it being a long series, and I think ultimately Tampa Bay will have an advantage because they're just a little bit deeper on the defensive front. Yeah, I like that you mentioned the speed about Makar too, Kong, because I think that's another great storyline in this series. The Avs D led by Makar. Gerard was great at this too. It's unfortunate that he's injured, but this, this decor is amazing at setting up the breakout. The Avalanche are obviously a high-flying team that they love moving through the neutral zone with tons of speed, and that started by their defense core. The Lightning, on the, other t- on the other hand, they pride themselves in being able to clog up the neutral zone. Look what they did to the Rangers when they made adjustments starting in game three. The Rangers couldn't really even carry the puck into the zone anymore. They had to start resorting to much more dump and chase, which just isn't their style. So I think that's another huge storyline in this series. And transitioning to the offense, it's, you know, who can slow down this high-powered Avs offense? They've been slowed down by no one this entire season. It, it's been an incredible performance. If anyone can do it, it could be Tampa Bay. We saw how they shut down the best offense in the regular season, the Florida Panthers, only allowing them three goals in the four-game sweep. But this Colorado offense, even with the Nazem Kadri in- injury, led by Nathan McKinnon, Nico Rantanen is now starting to play much better than he was in the playoffs. Sam, I think this is an aspect that Colorado can really take advantage of. I know Braden Point is coming back probably at some point in the series, but I think – Colorado needs to utilize their speed to, to try and break through this just clog that Tampa Bay creates in the neutral zone. 
I absolutely agree. I think that's what makes Colorado so special is that speed that they have. It is Nathan McKinnon, who is just incredible on the ice, obviously, as they all are, but as he's just so fast, Kale McCarr, who can change on a dime, his control, I think, is what really separates McCarr from others, even in his offensive play as a defenseman, is the way he's able to just turn on a dime and, like, We've all seen the videos of him stopping and the other player literally falling over because he cannot keep up with what Kale's doing. So I think that where the Avs offense will have the edge is here is because they are able to break away so fast and with so much force that maybe it can overpower that intense lightning defense. If there's anyone who can stop them, like you said, it is the lightning, the reigning champions, but like Nathan McKinnon said to be the best, you got to beat the best. So I think that this is maybe their time to do it. Maybe their way to do it. I think the Avs make really smart plays with their goals in that it's not all, obviously they do the one timer from the blue eye on top of the circle, like everyone does, but they do some tricky little shots and backhands and everything that are just so hard to catch that I guess we'll see if that's what helps them find their way past Vasilevsky, past the rest of that uh, lightning lineup. But I'm so excited to just watch these two offenses go head to head because then we have the Nikita Kucherovs and we have the Stamkoses and we have the people who are just insane. I mean, like Stamkos with 106 points this season and like, who does that? Who does that? He does. So I think that it will be watching some of the best offensive players in the world go head to head against each other and it will be nothing but fun and fast for however many games it lasts for. Yeah, Stamco's been around for quite some time. Must be taking tips from a certain quarterback in Tampa Bay about how to be effective later in the career. But <laughs> assuming we're talking about the lines and such, I, I agree with Sam. I think this is an area where the abs can really make their mark in this series. I don't see the lightning as deep. I mean, Kadri skated this morning. I don't know if he's going to play in the final, it's highly unlikely that he will in my mind, given the, the, the injury. But overall, I, I just look at the avalanche and their ability to just slice and dice through the neutral zone and get really good shots on net. That that has to be their top selling point in this. If you're going to beat Vasilevsky, you're going to have to shoot at a high volume. It was the only way the Rangers were able to beat him in those first two games was either A, you're going to line up a good shot and there's not going to be many of those against Tampa's defense or B, you're going to shoot from anywhere and everywhere and get better looks off of rebounds. Tampa Bay, on the other hand, wants to clog you in the neutral zone. So if I'm the avalanche, I'm shooting as much as I can, hoping I can get better shots off rebounds from those initial ones. And I got the guys to do it. Landis, Gog, McKinnon, we know those names. Really, though, it's that second line to me that's going to have to be productive. Lankin and Ratton and Burkowski. Matchup-wise, they look really good against Tampa Bay on that front. Obviously, they'll have the chance to line match when they're home. I think that could be very helpful. If you could come up with situations where that second line is going up against Tampa's third line, which is not that strong. Ross Colton, Nick Paul, Corey Perry, who's probably the highlight of that third line. If you're the Abs, I'm looking to line up that second match of line against the Tampa Bay third line. If you can do that, you can win whatever games you have at home, which is four out of seven. That's enough to win you a cup. That, that's a very good point you made, Colin. I think the line matchups are going to be such an intriguing and important part of this series. Um, if you look back to the Eastern Conference final, that Anthony Sorelli line, the second line for Tampa, Sorelli, Kalorn, and Hagel, 
completely shut down the top line for the Rangers. Just once after those first two games, I mean, Zibanejad got the power play goal. Kreider also got a power play goal, but they were completely shut down at five on five in large part due to the efforts of that line led by Sorelli, who is considered by many to be a future Selkie winner. He, he's one of the best two-way forwards in this game, especially on the defensive end. So I think in Colorado, if, if Jared Bednar can try and get Nathan McKinnon away from that line, that would be huge. You know, obviously containing McKinnon is a whole nother level. He, he's uncontainable at, at a certain point. It's kind of just, can you limit him to only doing so much damage? But um, I think when the games are in Tampa, that's going to be a huge advantage for John Cooper to be able to line match to get his top defensive lines out against McKinnon, Landeskog, those those big boys for the Avalanche. So vice versa, I agree with what you say, Colin. Those games in Colorado are going to be so huge to see if Colorado can take advantage of having last change and get some favorable matchups on the ice because it's going to be an incredible series, so much talent. And with that being said, I'm interested in what you guys think the outcome of this series will be. Sam, I'll start with you. I think we obviously know what you think, but if you could take off your Colorado Avalanche fan hat and put on your non-biased hat, why do you think the Avs can win the series? Okay, well, I'll take, I'm taking off my hats and putting another one on for all the viewers at home who can't see my actions. Um, but I think that if anything, maybe they'll win because they're simply hungrier. At this point, we haven't won. We haven't gone to the Western Conference Finals in 21 years, let alone the Stanley Cup Finals, right? Like last time we went to the Stanley Cup Finals, we won. And I think that that's something that fuels this team so deeply is this idea of legacy. It's the idea of having Joe Sackick there in your practices, in the office every day. And I think that because we haven't won in so long, obviously the Lightning won it too. They want a three-peat. But I think for us, it's a bigger deal than just, oh, we want another one. It's we want one. There are guys like Gabe Landeskog who, if he's there and in and healthy, obviously, he will be, I think, using every ounce of his being. I don't think there's anything that will stop him or Eric Johnson if he can get going in the way that he can and is able to sometimes because they have been waiting so long for a cup and have not even tasted it in their tenure in Colorado. So I think it'll be an incredibly tough matchup, though. Obviously, the Lightning are incredible. You have to give props to their entire lineup, their coaching staff, and Vasilevsky especially. I think this series will probably go to at least six, but I think the Avs might be able to do it. And if not, of course I'll be sad, but I personally won't be like upset with my team. If they play how they've been playing, I'll be like, you tried. You played who has been the best in the world for the last three years. And you know what? That's okay. Like you did your best. And I was just happy to be along for the ride this year. So was that unbiased enough? <laughs> that was amazing. That was amazing. Okay. Great. Thank you. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a tough pick on my end, because if you were to tell me this was going to be the cup matchup at the beginning of the year, I would have won avalanche in a heartbeat because I would have assumed the lightning may have limped to the cup final this year. That would have been my prediction. The fact that they were able to completely neutralize the best offense in the NHL was a major red flag for me in terms of, oh, they're back again. Like they can raise this flag and be dangerous for opposing teams. Then they basically took the Rangers demeanor and put it right back into their face. 
they basically reverted the energy and in, in, in dramatic fashion, four games in a row. That's not something normal teams do. I think a lot of times in sports, we see dynasties that, that die off eventually of their own volition. In other words, it's injury or it's contract issues or it's that a coach has officially gone too far with philosophy and takes on a life of his own. I don't think dynasties die because somebody takes them out. I think they die on their own. For that reason, I could very much see the Lightning winning this series. I'm going to pick them to do so. I think it goes six or seven games. My gut tells me it will go seven because I do believe there's something to be said about this Colorado uh, front. I think they're really good on offense. I think they're really good on defense. I think that the top two pairings are spectacular. I just think Tampa's a little bit deeper defensively and they have a better guy in net so that if it does go to that sixth or seventh game, regardless of where it's played, I like the Lightning to win the, their third straight. Yeah, this is, this is such a tough series to pick. If you look at the Lightning's path here, I mean, they beat the high-flying Maple Leafs in a tough series where they showed that Stanley Cup pedigree coming back from down 3-2, coming back from trailing in the third period of game six where they were just 20 minutes away from being eliminated. They win that series. They obviously steamroll the President's Trophy winning Panthers and then beat the Rangers in the conference final. If you compare that to the Avs run, Definitely a little bit lighter on the Avalanche side. They've also completely steamrolled 12-2 and two in the playoffs. So it's not like they've been struggling through this path. They've been showing that they are the better team in all of their series, and they've taken care of business quite easily. Um, it, this is really tough. My gut is telling me Tampa because of three things, and two of them are kind of the same thing. One is just the experience especially in the conference finals, you saw guys like Stamkos and Kucherov, like I said earlier, just completely elevate their game. These guys know how to steal games. They know how to win. They know what it takes. And they obviously have that massive experience edge over Colorado. So that's one hand where I'm like, I'm really struggling to see this team lose right now. The way that Vasilevsky plays in the closeouts of series, he's practically unbeatable. I think when you compare that to the goaltending and the defense of Colorado, which brings me to my other points, the goaltending is obviously a question mark. I hope it can be better for Colorado, but best case scenario, even if it is better, it's not going to be at the level of Vasilevsky. And worst case scenario, if it stays the same or goes worse, I think this could be a surprisingly short series. I also am a little concerned about, some of the inconsistencies from Colorado's defense, especially in that Edmonton series. I mean, game one, they give up six goals. Game two, they look like the best defensive core ever assembled. And then game four, they give up five or six. I forget the exact amount. I don't think you can beat a team like Tampa Bay with that kind of inconsistency. So I also think Colorado is going to lose game one because of the layoff. How long is it going to – I mean, it's going to be what – eight, nine days yeah, something between like that. games. We saw what happened with the Lightning when they went through that layoff. I think that if Camp- Tampa can steal game one, that would be so huge. And uh, I think ultimately they get this done in six, but it's going to be an incredibly tight series. And I think it comes down to if Colorado can find that consistency in goal and find that consistency on the defensive end. I don't think they will, but if they do, that's good. That's their recipe right there. Um, real quick, 
just for some fun, let's go around and do a little con Smythe prediction. What do we think? If you had to pick one player to win con Smythe right now, I would go. I'm probably since I'm picking the Lightning, I'm going to pick a Lightning player, and I think it's just got to be Vasilevsky. I think he's been so incredible, and if they win the Stanley Cup, he's going to win the game with a shutout or one goal against at max, like he does every single series closeout game. And uh, I think so. I'm going. I'm going with the Big Cat. I'm pretty sure that's his nickname, the Big Cat. The Big Cat. I'm pretty sure that's his nickname because he's just he's massive. He covers up the whole crease. So I'm gonna go Vasilevsky. I'm going to go with a little bit of an outside-the-box choice just for fun. Andre Palat would be my thought here. I just think he's going to get a lot of chances to score some goals, and my pick's the lightning, so I think he's the guy. I Well, okay, before I say this, I want to I wanna put a little asterisk over my previous comment about the Avs winning, saying I'm hopeful the Avalanche win. I don't expect it. I am so nervous going into this Stanley Cup final. I think they'll win a couple games. I think it'll go to six, like I said. But that's why I'm not going to be, like, mad if the Avalanche loses. I'll be like, okay, you tried your best. Yay! Like, here you go. Um, you got farther than we have in the last 22 years, and that's something. So In my entire lifetime, actually. So, great. I think if the Lightning win, I think Pala, I think that's an excellent choice, actually, Con. I think that he has been instrumental to this team this year. And I would have to go with one of the two that you both mentioned. I feel like I would also go with Palat because, well, if I could give, if I could give Vasilevsky a Vesna for the playoffs, I would, but I can't. So henceforth, I, <laughs> I'm torn between those two. If the Avs win, mm, I feel like it's gotta go to like Nathan McKinnon or Kale McCarr at this point. Like, even though we've seen incredible production from the others, I feel like it's gotta go to one of those two just from what they're able to do generally but only time will tell now won't it only time will tell game one of the 2022 stanley cup final is on wednesday 8 p.m in denver at ball arena that atmosphere is going to be absolutely incredible it's gonna be a madhouse there so uh i'm super excited to watch this series i think these are as i said earlier these are the two best teams i think this is the best cup final matchup we've had in the last few years, definitely taking nothing away from Montreal and Dallas, the two runner-ups of the last two years. But I think whoever loses this year is, is a much better team than those two. That's going to do it for us this week. Uh, everyone gearing up for the Stanley cup final, uh, Colin Lochran, Samantha Bohr, I'm Tyler Mooney. We will come at you next week with another edition of Five on Three, WFEB Sports NHL podcast. Have a great day, everyone.